0: Hello, America, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of John Solomon Reports. We've got a blockbuster show for you today here at Just the News here in Washington. We've got the former Secretary of State of Kansas, Chris Kobach, coming on. He, while running now for Attorney General of Kansas, also is working as a private lawyer representing Texas law enforcement officials who say the Biden administration has used executive fiat orders to undo the lawful Ways that illegal aliens have been actually deported. They're supposed to be detained, particularly if they're criminal aliens, and immediately deported. That is the law of the land. They say, these Texas law enforcement officials, that two executive orders that President Biden gave undercut the law through a back door, basically telling people, just don't enforce it. Don't round people up. Don't make them required to come to hearings. Don't deport them. And he's going to describe how he is suing in the courts, where, by the way, the Biden administration's immigration policy has fared poorly so far. He's describing the lawsuit, the concerns and the security threat to local communities where these illegal aliens still in the country many of them now criminal aliens also released are residing maybe in a neighborhood near you really important story that's going to be our big interview for the day but i want to get right on the news in afghanistan some really great big exciting impactful news over the last few hours and let's just get started with it first up There are 87 generals and admirals who have signed a letter calling on General Milley and Defense Secretary Austin to resign because of the way they handled the botched Afghan exit. These include a whole bunch of big-name generals. They belong to a group that are called Flag Officers for America. And what they said is that it is important to have accountability when the leadership of the Defense Department of the Joint Chiefs Fails a president, fails a country by executing an exit of a war the way these two men did. Here's a direct quote from the letter. A fundamental principle in the military is holding those in charge responsible and accountable for their actions or inactions. There must be accountability at all levels for this tragic and avoidable debacle. That's a bunch of flag officers, retired generals, admirals, writing the Defense Department, writing President Biden, saying, please have these leaders either resign, Secretary Austin, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Milley, or fire them. It's the right thing for accountability, they argue. That happened a little bit ago, a sign that just because we left Afghanistan last night with the last military flight, that this is not going to go fade anytime soon. Now, almost similarly important is a revelation that President Biden waived, used his executive power to waive his own requirement that he was supposed to report to Congress on or about June 30th on the risks of pulling out of Afghanistan. Imagine what we could have learned about what the intelligence community and the Defense Department and others were saying about Afghanistan before we did the things like pulling out of Bagram, before we did the crazy way we exited the country that we've all seen play out on television They withheld this information from the Congress. Basically, what President Biden said is that, hey, giving this information to Congress will hurt the national security of the United States. And that's interesting. You think Congress should be read into decisions of this importance? The American people should have some access to the information. No, Joe Biden said, you're not entitled to it. He gave himself a waiver and he failed to provide this briefing to Congress. Pretty remarkable moment. People are beginning to call this a cover-up. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, a Republican who we've had on this show from New York many times. She's on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. That's an important committee for this Afghan debacle. And she said after she uh, the revelation that we, we broke on the site this morning, it is increasingly clear that President Biden never had a plan in place to safely withdraw from Afghanistan. So it's no surprise he never shared it with Congress like the law requires. All right. Those are two big developments post departure of Afghanistan, our last troops have left Afghanistan, and we now are learning about the things that we probably should have learned about weeks and months before. There is going to be days of reckoning and accountability and revelations. Now, our big interview today is with Chris Kobach, but before we get to him, I spent some time today on the phone with a really famed well-known military officer, a former special forces man, a guy who after he served his country as a military man, then went back and began chronicling wars for us. You've probably heard his name. You've probably read some of the stuff he's done. He's among the more famous of our military chroniclers in the last couple of years. His name is Michael Young. He worked in the special forces, served in the special forces of the U.S. Army in the 1980s. In the 1990s, after leaving the military, he decided to go back and chronicle war, give the fighting men and women on the front lines of war their due, their say, what they were learning about, what they were hearing about. Because many times, the dispatches that come from war correspondents are controlled by what they're allowed to see from the Pentagon. The Pentagon has enormous control capabilities over the news. And so when you see these things, you begin to realize we may not always get the truth from dispatches of reporters who I think are trying to give us the truth, but they may be constrained with the access they have, the, the locations they're allowed to go to, what they're allowed to report and not to report. And so Michael Jan has been a guy that has broken through those barricades of information and given Americans dispatches from war for more than three decades now. Many journalists celebrate his work. He's a little bit of a rebel. The military doesn't always like him, but they do respect him. The the fighting men and women respect him. Some of the military brass have clashed with him because at times he forced into public information they didn't want out that was embarrassing to them, their chain of command, their execution of plans. Well, he's back at it, working the ground in Afghanistan. He's actually in Central America right now, but he was running an operation over the last few days to get out some Americans. These are U.S. citizens. They have their identity as Americans, their IDs, their passports. They were trapped in the Kabul area. The U.S. military was not willing to go get them, even though they are our people. And he tells a story of what happened. And I want you to listen to it in a second. But first, I have to set it up with this revelation. The Pentagon is saying any American who wanted out could get out. Now, Michael Yan, you're going to hear from right now. We're going to play the first clip. He tells you what happened to one group of American citizens who tried to go to the gate at Kabul. Here is what he said transpired over the weekend just a few short days ago. You compare this to what President Biden's administration is saying. Let's listen.
1: There's a lot of... Americans that have been turned, not just Americans, also SIV holders and high-value targets and some of your friends as well, turned away literally at the gate by our own Army, which they're lying about right now. But I personally know and was involved in an operation two nights ago. We had a friend with three jets on the ground, civilian-funded, empty. Uh, His name's Rick Clay. He's okay if I say his name. And so he had the jets. He and his team had the jets on the ground had other people on the ground that were, you know, somebody from Pineapple was helping out as well. And uh, long story short, we actually got four American citizens, a mother and three children to the gate, to the south gate. And we had Taliban take them to the south gate. That's how they got to the checkpoints. So we literally had Taliban take them to the Taliban checkpoint at south gate. And American forces would not come out and get them. And we were talking with all the right people. We had them out there waving their passports, screaming, I'm American, and that sort of thing. And the Taliban were like, if Americans will let you in, we will let you in. It, literally Taliban would have let them go in. It's, it's This is the kind of insanity that we're down to.
0: All right, so that's pretty clear, right? You understand what Michael's saying? Well, I pressed him further. Who was it? Who were you talking with? Who were you dealing with? What authority did they cite to turn away this American? And Michael said that he was dealing with a lieutenant colonel colonel in the Army. He has the messages between him and the colonel that verify this. We've seen them. And here is what he says the colonel told him and who the colonel was taking his directions from. Listen up.
1: I was on the phone with him and chatting all day, and then finally I set up a group chat with the principals who were making this happen. So I got everybody together, you know, got the American citizens together, got the Taliban doing their thing, right. and then we get them to the gate, and the U.S. Army completely fails us, saying, oh, we can't do it because the Department of the State tells us we can't do it. So the Which State t- Department, they're changed? claiming
0: that the military took their orders from the State Department. Is that correct?
1: As clear as day. And wow. like Unambiguous. It's wow. not even... Remotely ambiguous. They're very clear about it. You know, I'm like, are you guys <laughs> be kidding me? So you're now a combatant commander in combat, right?
0: All right, did you hear that? The lieutenant colonel says he wasn't taking his instructions from the chain of command of the military, he was taking them from the State Department. When did the State Department get command? over what our U.S. military soldiers do. A fascinating moment. This is coming from a guy that's been on more wars than I can count on two hands. He's been in battlefields all over the country. He knows how war is fought. He knows what military men and women do. He knows what the chain of command does. He himself, you heard in his voice how shocked he was that there was Americans turned away at the gate by a U.S. military commander, at the instructions of our United States State Department. That's what he's alleging. He has firsthand knowledge because he says he was running the op with other people on the ground. All right, now, take that into consideration. That's exactly what Senator Ron Johnson was saying yesterday was going on. He wrote a letter to the Defense Department. The Defense Department's been spinning. We got everybody out. Everything's fine, right? Well, Michael Jan's text messages, his account don't jibe with the official story. That's exactly what Michael does so often. He finds stories that cut against the official narrative that our government often try to sell the American public. Now, he also describes that the situation on the ground is getting worse since Americans pulled out. Why? Well, the Taliban's in control. That's one part of it. But he says many of our major foreign adversaries, the Chinese Intelligence Service, the Pakistani Intelligence Service, the Russian Intelligence Services, are now on the ground working with the Taliban to make this a worse spectacle for the United States. Listen to what Michael had to say about that.
1: One of the concerns though with that is that we know Chinese the MSS, yeah. you know, intelligence is working with ISI, which is Pakistani intelligence and GRU, the Russians are all over there. They're working yeah. the cell phones and they're working, you know, exploitation of all the computers and all these sorts of things. So this is now a multi variable environment that's much bigger than just Taliban.
0: All right. Now, if you're not disturbed enough, I've got one last piece from our interview with Michael that really stood out for me. We're going to play more of Michael's interview over the next few days. We're doing some reporting and working on some stuff, so we're not ready to release all of it at one time. But we're going to give you one last piece because this is something we have heard from multiple U.S. officials in the intelligence community, the Defense Department. The United States left behind, among its many $85 billion of equipment that we apparently left behind Biometric systems, systems where Afghans' biometrics, their fingerprints, their facial recognition components were stored. And according to Michael and according to our intelligence sources who confirm Michael's accounts, those biometric systems now in the hands of the Taliban and foreign adversaries are being exploited to hunt down the Afghans supported the United States that could not get out of the country are still trapped there under Taliban rule. They're hunting them down, assumably to imprison them or execute them. But listen to what Michael had to say about the danger of leaving behind sensitive biometric systems like he says the United States didn't, like our sources confirmed, were left behind. Listen to Michael.
1: But keep in mind, every one of those systems that we had, apparently about 7,000 left behind. That number is unknown, actually, but it's some large number. But 7,000 is a number that's been said. I do not know if that's true. But if you have just one, all you need is one, and there's more than one, it will be loaded with that data. And so they've got all the tech geeks in the world. They'll get that data off and be able to use it. And then once they've got, as you know, once you've got the data then, you know, it's a matter of going and buying other systems and putting the data in. And then you can use it in their high definition cameras
0: All right, we're going to give you more of Michael's interview over the next few days and weeks. We had a long conversation today. We learned a lot. We're going to report out some things to bring context and detail to it. But just think of what you now know as we head to this commercial break. Think about this. We now know that contrary to the official story of the government, there is evidence, first from Ron Johnson, now from a trusted former Special Forces office soldier who now is a famed war correspondent many people have trusted that there were americans turned at the gate who didn't get out before the last jets roared out of kabul we also know that the excuse that the military gave for not allowing american citizens into the kabul airport was the state department wouldn't let them do it now we also know that the chinese the Pakistanis, the intelligence apparatus of russia are on the ground with the taliban which makes it even more perilous for those left behind whether they're american or Afghan to survive, to get to freedom, because now you've got a witch's brew of the Taliban and three or four adversarial intelligence agencies free to roam the grounds because there's no American presence. And think about the last thing you just heard, biometric equipment we left behind with the biometric records of Afghans now being used to hunt down America's allies and the Afghan population for Obviously, nefarious purposes to arrest them, execute them, whatever. We don't know, persecute them. Four remarkable revelations from one war correspondent, one former Special Forces soldier on the ground. That's what we try to give you every day. News you aren't getting from anywhere else. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. We're going to give you some more news from our next guest, Chris Kobach, the former Kansas City Secretary of State, now running for Kansas Attorney General and working as a private lawyer to challenge some executive orders that are forcing ICE, the Immigration Enforcement Agency, not to follow American immigration law. You're going to hear all of that exclusively from Chris Kobach right after this commercial message. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest joining us from Kansas, the former Kansas Secretary of State currently running to be that state's Attorney General, Chris Kobach. Chris, great to have you here. Great to be with you. You have done a lot of things over the years. You've always been a guy that people uh, have found to discover things and identify things that may be going on below the radar that we didn't know about when you were Secretary of State. You uncovered things. Here recently, you have this lawsuit that I think this brief that basically unmasks a border policy that the Biden administration just sort of made up. It's, it's in this court filing. I'm, I was blown away by it. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you found and what this policy actually is intended to do?
2: I think one thing many Americans may be unaware of is they know that there's a crisis at the border and they know that the Biden administration has done some things to stymie immigration enforcement, but they might not know the details. And this lawsuit illustrates all of the details. It's a suit brought by a group of Texas sheriffs, now, yeah. uh, seven Texas counties and sheriffs, as well as an association of vice officers. And in this suit, we point out that it all comes back to uh, two memoranda that Joe Biden issued, one on the day he was inaugurated, and then the other one a follow-up from the Department of Homeland Security on February 18th. And basically, if you read these memoranda and, and weren't sure what you were reading, it looks like a changing of enforcement priorities. But buried in these memoranda are illegal policies that basically say, ICE officers are no longer able to take custody of illegal aliens and no longer able to remove or deport illegal aliens unless they get special permission, with a very small number of exceptions like terrorists and very, very, very serious criminals who uh, they don't need to get special permission for. What this has done has caused a stand-down in immigration enforcement across America. ICE are being essentially handcuffed to their desks and are not being allowed to deport people that they normally would do. In addition, our lawsuit points out how this change in policies has also permeated the border patrol and they are doing things, being ordered to do things that are illegal, which is one of the reasons why the ice officers have joined this lawsuit. First time ever that federal law enforcement officers and local law enforcement officers have joined together to sue a sitting president. But let me just give you a couple of examples of what's going on. So one of the things that's happening now is that the, uh, ICE has been lifting detainers. What that means is normally, if a, a, a local sheriff arrests somebody for a crime and it turns out that this person's an illegal alien, the ICE would almost always, in the Trump administration and prior administrations, would put a detainer on the individual, which says, as soon as this guy's done serving a prison sentence uh, for a crime, yeah, well, it, you'll take him. ICE will take him. Or as soon as the guy is going to be released on bond, we don't want that to happen. ICE wants to take custody. And so these are requests to detain. And this is so important because ICE doesn't have a patrolling presence. ICE doesn't go roaming around, you know, in in patrol vehicles looking for illegal aliens. The vast majority come in through local arrests. Anyway, after this new memorandum went out in the Biden administration in February, ICE began dropping all of these detainer requests. In other words, telling the local jails, yeah, go ahead and let them go. We can't take custody anymore. And the crimes committed by these illegal aliens whose detainers have been lifted include things like aggravated sexual assault on a child, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, larceny, burglary, domestic violence, carrying a prohibited weapon, possession of amphetamines, possession of cocaine, possession of heroin, marijuana, resisting a law enforcement officer, and driving under the influence. And there are other crimes as well. And so basically dangerous, illegal alien criminals who are in the country illegally and have committed these additional serious crimes, they are being turned loose on the street because of the Biden policy. That's one thing we reveal. And then the other thing we reveal for people who are reading these legal documents is that in March, the Border Patrol was ordered to start turning loose people into the United States without a notice to appear. Now, a notice to appear is a charging document that says you have to appear to be deported at this immigration court on this date if you don't show up in, an order to deport you will be issued in absentia meaning without you being there and it basically starts the removal process going and if the alien wants to claim he he's entitled to asylum he has to do it at that court well and that's a requirement of federal law it's also required that ice detain those individuals I was mentioning before now the Border Patrol In several sectors, the ones that are seeing the highest number of apprehensions are turning people loose without a notice to appear in immigration court. Instead, they're giving them a different piece of paper. And this one says a notice to report. And it says there's no immigration proceeding that's started yet. We would like you within 60 days to show up at an ICE office somewhere in America. Here's a list of ICE offices. Please show up and then they'll start the process of deporting you. Well, of course, uh, the vast majority aren't showing up. And it's a violation of law for for the Border Patrol to be turning people loose like this because Congress back in the 1990s passed a number of statutes that says no more catch and release. You've got to, at a minimum, initiate a removal proceeding, start the process as soon as you have the alien in your hands. And secondly, the vast majority of these individuals need to be detained. So that's a quick summary of how the Biden administration is acting lawlessly and how they are endangering our
0: communities. Yeah, one of the things that is just so clear when you look at the the, the lawsuit is that you know, there is a law on the books. It isn't like this is a gray area. There is a law that says that you have no option other than to begin the removal proceeding, a mandatory detention, a removal of these aliens. And so you have basically a policy that is overtly violating a law that's on the books. It hasn't been taken off the books. If the Democrats want, they should vote and change the law, right? But here they're just using these executive fiats to circumvent a very clear law. Do you have a sense of the total amount of crimes that have been committed? Is it in the hundreds, in the thousands by these criminal aliens?
2: Well, let's put it this way. The number of criminal aliens who've been released because of these new policies or released from prisons, undoubtedly in the hundreds, probably in the thousands by now, the number of aliens released into the United States without any notice to appear is in the tens of thousands, if not over 100,000 by now. Mm. And so now we're starting to see some of the aliens who the criminal aliens who are released are committing more crimes because that's what criminals do. They recidivate. And so, yeah, we don't have an exact number nationwide, but we do have a lot of statistics from the counties that are part of this lawsuit. And, and the numbers are just extraordinary. In some counties, the, the number of crimes committed has doubled since the Biden administration policies went into effect. In some crimes more than in some cases, more than doubled. Uh, in other, you know, at a, at a minimum, the number of arrests has increased in one county about 30 percent. In some of the counties right on the border, it's just chaos. They cannot keep up with the number of arrests, with the car thefts, with the criminal trespassing, with the vehicle chases, With you name it. It's just the, the sheriffs don't have enough personnel to deal with this law enforcement.
0: Yeah, they're, they're just putting entire communities at risk. And also, they're, they're tasking the resources of counties that are ready struggling with things like COVID and other crises. It's just remarkable. One of the things that governors like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott have tried to point out is that the administration won't even release where they're releasing illegal aliens, right? We know they're being released to the interior country and they're put on buses and airports. I had a story a couple of weeks ago where the CPB confirmed on the record that a lot of these illegal aliens are getting on planes without having to meet the identity requirements that you and I go when we go on a plane. We got to show our driver's license. They're getting exemptions and they're put on a plane somewhere. We don't know where they're going. Do you think that having at least a roadmap where illegal aliens are settling or being settled by the Biden administration would be helpful in this as we try to sort out just how big a problem we have right now?
2: Oh, absolutely. And the Biden administration has been doing so many things under the cover of darkness. You know, they this February 18 memorandum, which led to this stand down in enforcement that they did publicly. But things like just quietly stopping the issuance of notices to appear by the Border Patrol and letting tens of thousands of illegal aliens loose into the country or transporting them, as you have pointed out, that was was done without any public announcement. They just did it. And so they have been very reticent in, in in providing information to the public. That's one of the most important things these lawsuits do. In addition to stopping the illegal policies, which we are hoping and praying will happen, when the judge issues, God willing, a temporary injunction, preliminary injunction, which is what we are seeking right now. Right. You know, we're also just revealing through the discovery process of where you you know you bring witnesses in and and, and right. you get this evidence, re- making public some of the things that are happening. Because the Biden administration is not volunteering this information. Remember, they still don't want to call this a crisis at the border. And, you know, I wrote an article in Breitbart about this a couple of months ago. One of the reasons I don't think they want to call it a crisis is it's a planned event. Yeah. This was an intentional shutdown of interior and border immigration enforcement. You know, remember back in the presidential debates of 2019 when the Democrats were all on stage And the question was asked, do you want to abolish ICE? And they were supposed to raise their hands. All of them raised their hands except one. Well, Biden didn't abolish ICE. He just did the same thing through sleight of hand. He ordered ICE to basically stop removing people. And so, in effect, he has abolished ICE. Yeah,
0: it it is remarkable. Uh, The backdoor way of of basically undercutting all the laws. How heartened are you that the courts in other immigration cases, the Texas case being the the most obvious one, uh, where the stay in Mexico policy has now been determined that it was illegally rescinded and it must stay in force. Do you feel that the courts have become the last buffer here for the rule of law?
2: Absolutely. And thank God that we have judges who are committed to the rule of law. Yet the remain in Mexico policy was the Biden administration is violating federal statute in the way it's two different federal statutes in the way it ended that policy. And we have a judge who issued an excellent opinion, an order in that case that went all the way to the Supreme Court on a question. of Do they can they stay the order while appeals are underway? And thankfully, the Supreme Court said no. But now the Biden administration is saying, OK, we're going to comply. And here's by that we mean we're going to start talking to Mexico about it. You know, I'm I'm not satisfied with that because talking to Mexico is one thing, and that's part of letting them know that we are going to be um, having certain aliens who claim that they're eligible for asylum waiting in Mexico. But federal law says they have to be sent. You have no choice. You either detain them or you put them to Mexico. So talking to Mexico about it is not enough. They have to comply with the law. So we'll see now that these decisions are coming down against the Biden administration. Will they abide by judicial orders? Will they abide by the rule of law? We already know that they just ignore statutes. It's one step farther if they ignore the orders of judges.
0: Yeah, there's been some other interesting things. And I knew you've been involved in the courts and obviously want to be attorney general. I want to ask if there are a couple of theories of law that have been tested in the last few weeks with lawsuits. One of them is there was a young man from New York who was shot dead by a gang member in Austin while visiting Austin in June Austin was one of the places where defunding the police movement took a big chunk of money out of the Austin Police Department, got rid of its gang unit. The Austin Police Department has told the family that if it had the gang unit, it would have been able to intercept the gang members because there was open intelligence. They were coming to Austin. But because they didn't have the gang unit, that's why the shooting occurred. And so they've made the argument that the intentional act of defunding police therefore overcomes the immunity that most government officials have. Enjoy, and therefore you might be able to sue them directly for an intentional act. It, it was obvious that if you cut the police funding that bad things would happen, that's an intentional act. Do you think there are some opportunities to uh, pierce some of the legal protections of immunity that federal officials have when they act so intentionally? You mentioned, you know, this is an intentional effort to eradicate the laws rather than take them off the book. Is there a possibility that some of these people can be held personally liable in their roles?
2: Well, it ultimately depends on what the sovereign immunity laws look like in each state. Right. But in most states, there is an exception to sovereign immunity. Sovereign immunity is what normally protects the police department. Right. If if somebody's murdered or somebody's injured, you can't just sue the police for damages saying they should have arrested that criminal. But there are exceptions to sovereign immunity when the police department or the county or the sheriff's office, whatever, has violated federal law or violated state law. If they're Mm -hmm. acting in violation of law, then that's in almost all states an exception to it. So, yeah, there are opportunities. Mm -hmm. For example, if a sanctuary city is willfully violating the law an illegal alien criminal who is released by that city's police department goes on to murder someone or commit some heinous crime. In that situation, absolutely sovereign immunity can be can be pierced, can be beaten. So it, it's certainly possible. And you know, one of the reasons that I'm running for attorney general in Kansas is not just in these in these cases where we were talking about with sovereign immunity, but more specifically with regard to the federal government's policies of non-enforcement and ignoring the law. The best plaintiffs are often the states. In in the case I'm representing the Texas sheriffs, the Texas sheriffs are a great plaintiff. But more often than not, the party that can get to court quickly, that has the resources to fight the Department of Justice of the United States, is usually a state attorney's general office. And as you mentioned, the state of Texas has been bringing some great lawsuits But, you know, we need Texas can't go it alone. We need other states to stand with them and do the work. A lot of states will sign on and say, add my name as a plaintiff, but they're not actually doing the work. Texas is really carrying the load. And if I'm elected uh, attorney general of Kansas, Kansas will be standing right next to Texas, carrying the load on these lawsuits and making sure that the Biden administration is held responsible and taken to court when they continue to break the law.
0: Such an important notion. And and it is the states have really had some big successes against the Biden administration. I want to take it one other place because you're running, obviously, for attorney general. You're getting a sense of the electorate in America. Joe Biden wins the election in 2020. We're seven months in, and now we're seeing that every election has consequences. We see the consequences. The border is a crisis. Afghanistan withdrawal failed, critical race theory being pushed into schools. Do you have a sense that the Biden administration has gone a bridge or two or three too far and that middle America, you know, which is very independent, may beginning to coalesce against the primary ideas that the Democratic Party is standing for right now?
2: Absolutely, I mean, certainly we know that the political ebbs and flows in, in America, there's always a rebound effect. Whenever a new president comes in, his party loses seats in Congress, and right. it's also seen at state level races. But the Biden administration has, has really messed things up so horribly just in the first nine months in office, that I think that that normal you know rebound effect or reaction to a new president is going to be doubled or tripled, and I think it's going to be a lot like two thousand and ten, which remember was the Tea Party year, right after Obama came in, and Middle America was so fed up and so distressed that you saw you know massive wins across the board by Republicans in many, many states. I think that's going to happen again because you, you just have this complete breakdown of law enforcement and immigration law. You have the debacle in Afghanistan. You have the oppressive moves by the government regarding the whole COVID issue and, and mandates. You really see a combination that could be a perfect storm that works against the Biden administration and its Democratic allies.
0: Yeah, it really is amazing. How is the race going in Kansas? What are the issues that are beginning to form in your own state?
2: absolutely the immigration crisis is a big one also the uh, the mandates and the, the restrictions on personal freedom are a big one in kansas and crt critical race theory being taught in the schools that's a big issue too i think there's a real appetite among not just kansans but you know i've been getting support from all over the country for having an attorney general who will take it to the biden administration who will bring these lawsuits you know we're talking about lawsuits on everything from environmental orders coming from the White House that are in violation of law, but are designed to stop the, uh, the burning of fossil fuel. There are multiple lawsuits that have already been brought and that need to be brought on that subject. So, you know, it's for the people of Kansas, but it's also for our constitution and the whole country that we need to be bringing these suits. And, and if people are interested in, in helping out my campaign, uh, they can go to K R I S K O B A C H. K-R-I-S-K-O-B-A-C-H.com.
0: Yeah, that's an easy one to remember. Well, Chris, this is amazing. We can't wait to see how this lawsuit turns out because it, one, it's got a really a great group of people standing right? Law enforcement, people that are actually feeling the consequences of these illegal changes to the policy. And uh, the courts have been so active in the last few months, most of the time ruling against the Biden administration had a pretty bad record at the Supreme Court and at the um, appellate court level. So it's going to be very interesting to see where this goes. I hope we can get you back and stay on top of this case. Yeah, we'll
2: do. be happy to come back.
0: Fantastic. Well, we really appreciate the time today. Thank you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code news. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of Triple Lock Home Title Protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, that wraps it up for the day. What a day. Just think about the things Michael Jan shared with you today. Pretty chilling really demoralizing lessons to be learned from this afghan exit will be years in the making but before we get to the lessons and even the accountability there are still by michael's account and others account several hundred americans still trapped on the ground in kabul without their military to protect them anymore thousands more of afghan civilians who worked with our military and with our civic organizations that didn't get out either even though they had good reasons to escape with our american forces the first order of business is to find safety for all of them and to make sure that those who have nefarious capabilities and intent on the ground in Afghanistan don't harm them before they depart. Pretty sobering words from Michael Yan about that. And let's keep in mind the border is another one of the big crises that started with Joe Biden changing the Trump era policies. Chris Kobach gave us some really great insights into why he filed the lawsuit, what Texas law enforcement officials are saying, and how these agencies, ICE in particular, are being handicapped, handcuffed not to enforce the law and to get rid of aliens, particularly those aliens who already have committed heinous crimes, not just the crime of illegally entering the country, but other crimes. He said sexual assault, drunken driving, things like that, serious felony crimes. That's pretty amazing stuff. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with more exclusive news and more great interviews. We're going to keep our eye on the ball in Afghanistan, on the border, other places around the country. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country, the United States of America, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from justthenews.com. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite.